Hey, everybody, it's Eric Clark, Thursday, February 1st, 1st uh, January is in the books. Uh, as a reminder, I am the creator and portfolio manager for Dynamic Brands with AccuVest. And uh, we're going to do monthly quick updates, uh, quick market comments, portfolio information and performance, and then a trading update. And we'll kind of keep that format for the rest of the year on a monthly basis so people can follow along and hear some, you know, kind of quick comments about the market overall and what's happening inside of the, the machine, if you will. And so uh, it's uh, Thursday the 1st, about uh, 9, uh, about 10 a.m. Pacific time. So looking at January, you know, we came into the end of the year pretty hot, overbought extended with the hope that small caps in the market was going to get a lot more broad and breath was going to broaden out as it started to in the fourth quarter. And that changed. It was almost as if, you know, the, the calendar turns into 2024 and the same thing that happened in 2023 also happened in the first month of 2024. So, the, the fund, HSUTX, that's the Dynamic Brands Fund, was up 2.62 for the month. Uh, after a little pullback yesterday, the S&P 500 was up 1.59. The NASDAQ 100 was up 1.82. So some pretty good alpha over the broad market in the brand strategy. Mostly, I, I think, you know, if you look at the, the names and where we tend to play, consumer discretionary technology, communication services, and then staples and healthcare to a smaller degree. Um, that's generally where the best returns come from. If you look long-term, those three sectors tend to be the best performers. So, you know, we're, we're, we, we tend to fish in the right pond because brands live in those sectors by and large. So we ignore sectors that have historically not outperformed with as much frequency so we're fishing in the right place. Doesn't always happen. Clearly, 2022 was a difficult year for anybody that with a quality and a growth bias. Um, but that was the kind of the hundred-year storm, and now we're back to to a more normal environment with rates and base rates and and the cost of capital and uh, and, and inflation is trending back down closer to normal again. So the place not to be for January anyway was small caps. So I just want to give some statistics on the overall market overall, um, you know, small cap value, which was where people really wanted to be was minus 4.6. That was the worst sector. Uh, and there's a lot of regional banks in there too. So the uh, regional bank, you know, angst has, has reappeared with that New York bank yesterday. Um, the place to be from a style box perspective from returns has been kind of core S&P 500 tilted to growth, which is candidly what the S&P 500 is. Um, and then as you went down the market cap spectrum and value, you got progressively worse. From a sector perspective, the best performing sector was communication services up 4.4 on the month. The worst was REITs uh, down a little over 5%. Some of those look really attractive. Um, obviously away from commercial real estate. So uh, financials did, you know, up 3%, re very respectable outperformance. Healthcare was up almost 3, 2.9, uh, as well as technology at 2.7. Consumer discretionary 
was down 4.4, which is interesting because most of that was Tesla. Tesla's down 30% or so, you know, in a short period of time on a terrible number with a terrible conference call. Uh, the trends aren't going in that direction. So be careful with XLY because of the heavy concentration you have in there. The Amazon was great, but the Tesla and a few other retail names weren't so good. So that one was a big laggard in stark contrast to the brands fund, which was up 2.6. So we were definitely fishing from the right place within consumer discretionary, as well as some good tech exposure and communication services. One last note on the market overall that, that I want to remind people, because I don't, I don't really hear too much about it or read too much about it. You know, in our view, the market is very unlikely to have a recession. The economy is very unlikely to have a recession. Yes, we can slow down. But if you think about it, the Fed has been manipulating the market and economic growth down. It's been manipulating consumer sentiment down in order to combat inflation. And so, the, you know, you have this 21 plus trillion dollar economy that's been somewhat manipulated down. Uh, and ironically, even with Fed manipulation, the consumer has been very buoyant and strong. And it, it's been some of the more manufacturing sectors that have been more difficult. Those are starting to show signs of life as the Fed kind of says, we're done raising rates unless something radical changes. But the most likely outcome is the Fed has done its rate tightening cycle. That removes uncertainty at the consumer and at the business level. Once you know the rules of the road and you know that the Fed is probably going to be e more easing on the margin over the next couple of years, economic activity will start to uh, turn up again. So the economy has been largely running on, let's call it three of six cylinders. And now some of those laggards are starting to turn. You saw it in today's data, the ISM manufacturing, still in contraction, but improving. The new orders number is actually over 50 again and expanding for the first time since October uh, or August of 2022. In fact, it climbed the most since October of 2020. Consumer sentiment has rebounded in part because the stock market was much better than, than they anticipated and they missed a lot of the run in 2023. So, you know, our anticipation is with the Fed stepping back and getting in the back seat, that's going to remove the tape that's been holding back consumers and businesses to a large degree. And economic expansion should be uh, and, and development should be fine. And in some parts, expanding again. And that'll keep rates higher for longer, and it will keep inflation range bound, but probably away from the 2%. And just remember, don't let anyone tell you that the economy and the stock market can't operate on zero interest rates. That's garbage. For the, for the From the time 2008, all the way back to like 1970, I think the data goes, the average return the sweet spot of equity returns tended to be where we're likely going to be for inflation around the two to three percent and Fed funds around four, four and a half percent. So we are we are pulling into an area where with inflation and base rates and interest rates that tends to be a sweet spot for equities. If I look back at returns for the S&P in those sweet spots for inflation and Fed funds, you're talking about an average return of 12.8%. So there's a lot 
of positivity that you're not hearing from people because let's face it, fear sells more than euphoria. And there's a lot of productivity gains that are going to come from AI, et cetera, et cetera. Just remember presidential cycle tends to be a little squishy, kind of sideways, volatile action January through March. And then we we take off, whether we follow that pattern is anybody's guess. Uh, but overall, we think uh, earnings are going to be fine. There's, again, still some acceleration, I think, in the cards coming. Um, and the consumer will probably broaden out its spending a little bit. And so we will probably, in the brands fund, be a little bit more broad. So let's get into brands overall. We're still fairly concentrated at 22 names. Um, some of the winners for January, uh, let's see, we have Meta was up 10, a little over 10%. DraftKings was up almost 11%. And Eli Lilly was up almost 11%. On the downside, we had Live Nation down 5%. We keep adding to that on the dips. We think there's a bit of an overhang with potential regulatory issues with uh, ticketing and uh, the pricing, but we don't think anything major is going to happen. And so the stock is about as cheap as it has been in a very long time on a free cash flow basis. And their margin profile is much different going forward. So we think that one has a lot, 40 plus percent upside. We still think DraftKings has 50 to 100% upside as well. Still a pretty cheap stock relative to the opportunity set. Blackstone was down 5% for January, underperforming its peers of Apollo and KKR. And then L'Oreal was down about 3.8%. Uh, for a while, LVMH, Louis Vuitton was down, but uh, the stock kind of sold off right into earnings. Earnings were a little better than expected and certainly not as bad as feared. And the stock just ripped up and we got a great trade. And I'll talk about that in the trading part of this, uh, this pod next. So <clears throat> again, we're pretty concentrated at 22 names. Amazon is about 15%. Uh, Live Nation is about 7.6%. Lulu, Costco, uh, Microsoft are just under the 5% 5 thresholds. So, um, you know, we our smallest positions currently are the uh, a new position in T-Mobile as well as in the CBOE index. And that's a great segue into trading because as you know, maybe you don't, algorithms drive 85% or so of the daily trading volume. Zero days to expiration index options are now almost 50% of daily index options volume. What does that mean? It means that when algorithms, when computers are making decisions, there, there's going to be a lot more intraday uh, volatility. Even if the, you know, the VIX is 12 to 13 or so, uh, last I checked, but they're under the surface of the market. There is still a lot of sector rotations industry rotations, volatility at the individual stock level that isn't necessarily great for the buy and hold investor, but it's pretty good for an active trader. And you know, if you recall our story, the vast majority of the holdings are these big blue chip mega brand companies, Apple, Visa, Nike, you know, uh, Microsoft, Google, et cetera, Costco, things like that. Uh, big, stable, predictable, dominant franchises. 
Around the core, we have these exposures to innovator brands, disruptors, DraftKings, Mercado Libre, which is the Amazon of, of Latin America. And then we have a, a tactical or active trading component. Sometimes it's very slow in the trading world. Sometimes there's lots of opportunities. And as we entered into 2024, the team and I got together and we just talked about, we're going into the end of the year pretty hot. Sentiment is pretty extended. Markets are pretty extended. There's a good likelihood at the very least we go sideways and chop around for a month or two, or we correct some of these gains. And so we trim some of the names that we uh, we had some good gains in and uh, and added some to the cash basket. Now, cash can be used as static cash where you don't really earn much other than money market rates, or you sit tight, you be patient, when you see an opportunity to trade, you step out of cash, you get into a stock, you try to capture some gains, you know, two to six or 7% in less than 30 days. And then you step back into cash and then you rinse and repeat when you have the opportunity. So that's what we did in January. And it was a pretty good, robust uh, environment for active trading because of those reasons. So just to give you some of the summary of trading, we traded with about uh, what totaled about a little over 20% of the of the fund capital. That's about 14 million bucks, 18 closed trades. Only two of them were negative, and both of those we we keep a pretty tight uh, leash on the on the stop. Were were negative point you know less than one half of one percent. Uh, in most cases, were even better than that. So we kept it tight on the on the short term loss. And the average trade return was 5.6% for a total return on that 14 million of 5%. Again, the S&P did 1.59. So we, we added some good alpha in 20% of our trading book while the core holdings did what they did. Some of those, some of the trades that we had were around core positions that were on sale. Some were completely separate, not part of the core basket that we just saw an opportunity in. And I'll tell you which which names we traded in a second. Uh, we tended to trade with about 800,000 bucks per trade. So it wasn't as if we were taking, you know, a, a large risky bet in one stock and, and trading that. We traded 18 times, average size of about 800 grand for a total hold average time of 11 and a half days. Some of those we held for two days. Some of them we held for 27 days, but they averaged about 11 and a half days uh, over that period. So, you know, we gained a net 713,000 bucks trading $14 million in the month of January. And just for perspective, you know, if the S&P does 10% a year uh, over time, that's about 80 basis points a month compounded. So three and a half basis, you know, three and a half percent per month trading is about 51% gains. 5% a month is about 179% if my mem if my math is correct. I'm certainly not going to say we're going to trade that actively because the market doesn't warrant it, you know, most of the time, but I can say that, you know, in my history of trading when I traded for a living, my goal was to make as much money in 30 days as I possibly could. And and over 7 years, what was interesting is the return series was pretty consistent. A couple of months, a year, there were no trading gains for a variety of reasons. Maybe the market was down. Maybe I was just underwater in a trade and had to carry it into the next month. Whatever the case was, 
Uh, a few months of the year were very outsized, 10% or more, but then the rest of the months tended to be in that two to 6% range. So this month's January at, uh, at 5% for the total, you know, closed trades was about at the top end of the average month in my experience as a trader. So, you know, we're not trading speculative stocks, by the way. So some people think, oh my gosh, trading is so risky. Yeah, it can be risky for sure. You got to size it appropriately. You got to enter appropriately. Timing matters. But we were trading big blue chip brands in most cases. We had successful trades in Merck, um, O'Reilly Automotive, AutoZone, Blackstone, DraftKings, Domino's, T-Mobile, TJ Maxx, Amazon, Microsoft, Salesforce, Louis Vuitton, Hermes, Exxon, LNG, which is Chenier Energy, and Ferrari. So there were some, you know, we were trading blue chip stocks when they pulled back because we know the business really well and we're pretty good at trading and, and, and looking at technicals. And at the end of the day, in a, in a fairly uptrending market, good companies tend to get bought on dips anyway. So you know, you're, you tend to be kind of surfing the tide, if you will, when you're trading good companies. So <clears throat> long story short, the market overall still probably pretty choppy, you know, for the next couple of months, we think the economy can expand because the underperforming parts of the economy are now starting to inflect higher. Consumers are still doing well. We expect them to continue to be stingy about where they purchase and how they purchase, which is why we're fairly concentrated now. But we do expect other important consumer spending trends and industries to start emerging and, and to be able to add to the position um, so we can be a little bit more broad than 22 stocks. And we will continue to trade when we have the opportunities, but we do not trade just to trade and do busy work. This is be very patient, like a hunter sitting in the tree waiting for the right shot. When you see an opportunity, you get out of cash, you get into a stock with a defined upside and a stop, and you try to capture a gain that's better than the market over a 30-day period or less. If we can make great money in a down market uh, by adding to, to great businesses on sale and then, and then sell those, and a week later, we're happy to do it. We certainly did yesterday. Yesterday, the market was down, you know, the NASDAQ was down 2% on some earnings from Google and some big tech and the Fed just saying they weren't going to raise interest rates in March. So we got a chance to add to put some of that cash we have to work from some of the trades that we've already done um, to put to work. So we added to, uh, from a tactical perspective, Microsoft, um, we added to Live Nation, we added to um salesforce initiated a new position in salesforce i added to amazon we added to lululemon we added to which was down five percent yesterday we added to meta and t-mobile so you know now we have a chance uh to be able to get some potential new trading gains for the month of february we did also add a trading position in a retailer a discount retailer called five below um, the stock's down 16% from the recent highs. We think that's, you know, way too much given the stability of the business. And it's, you know, now it's a bit cheaper than it generally gets. So we like that trading position. And the good news is if we're wrong and the stock is just kind of choppy, we either can sell that thing or 
we can just hold it because I think at this entry down 16%, pretty good valuation support, zero debt, big growth store growth expansion, a consumer that's looking for bargains. It it fits a lot of the the, the right boxes for this kind of environment too. So that's it. Brands do matter again for the month of January. We should see some volatility. Just try to take advantage of it, uh, buying great businesses on sale. And I'll talk to you in a month and we'll discuss our, you know, gains and losses for the month of February. Talk to you later.